0: As Essendon prepare to play their final game in 2020, Nick and I'd like to say thank you for listening to us this year on Don's Cast. We'd also like to announce we've got our first guest tonight, Essendon VFL President Paul Cousins. Uh, Also, just to let you know, there's no Remember When segment this week because we uh, had already done that one this year uh, when we were due to play Melbourne earlier in the year. So no Remember When, but as a supplement, we've got Paul Cousins joining us. In a special uh, conversation. You're listening to Don's Cast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name is Jamie and I'm Nick and made another tough week uh, with media reports um, you really would think we we're the Titanic we seem to be sinking fast but if you believe all the media reports and I guess we suffered through a horrible season and especially the last you know eight to nine weeks but um, made uh, any positive news coming our way?
1: Look, it's it's funny. Like I mean, you, you talk about let's hope it's not the Titanic. Well, let's hope this uh, reporting isn't the tip of the iceberg, mate. Because uh, yeah, certainly, there's there's rumblings about uh, you know, things not going so well. In terms of uh, positive news, uh, I guess uh, you know the only um, thing is you know the Aston Football Club's coming out, uh, you know, basically uh, appreciated John Worsfold for the for the time he's had at the Bombers and uh, they've talked about, in a, in a in videos, but, you know, what he's brought to the club. Uh, so there's one part release of a two part series, um, you know, regarding you know, his, Xavier's reflections on how important John Wershold's been to the SM football club during his tenure there as, as head coach. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of the messages do ring true and that, uh, you know, in that, Time we were we were pretty down and uh, we needed a a steady hand to uh, right the ship as it were and um, help us really grow and develop into a club that um, has solid foundations. I think he has been able to do that. His messaging right from the start was really calm, really consistent. Obviously, as a fan, you know we we want success for the football club, and I'm sure internally they do as well, Uh, but. yeah, I guess we've been starved success for such a long time. We have grown impatient, and certainly while we appreciated his uh, his steady hand while he was at the club, uh, I'll be looking forward to the the club moving to the new hands of Ben Rutton and um, seeing what he's be going to be able to provide for us. Um, but hopefully, yeah, John Worsfold has been able to set a solid foundation, so we are able to uh, sort of grow and develop. Uh, and hopefully, into a successful side
0: yeah I'm still a bit bemused by uh, the club being so quiet um, it feels like we've been you know really beaten up by the media and I guess even the fans, and you know we're part of that I guess we've been frustrated like most Essendon supporters, but um yeah, just the way the club has not really responded to these um concerns and criticisms um you know i it makes me feel like is there passion there, which is uh something that Matthew Lloyd um you know mentioned. You know, he he got congratulated for making these big comments because Essendon people feel like there's no passion coming out of the club and I tend to agree. Um and uh, you know, I take into account what uh, Dean Wallace said only a few weeks ago, um, with Graham McMahon and um I still remember Graham McMahon's um the way he handled the media, is very abrupt at times and um, yeah, he stood up for himself and and the club. Um, you know, I, I don't know Paul Brasher that well. I'm hoping um, you know he's going to be a little bit more you know noticeable than Lindsay Tanner because he's been largely you know absent to be honest through um, a pretty tough period for the club, which I think is irresponsible for a president. Um, you know, uh, he hasn't come out at all. So uh, Eddie McGuire made some comments on the. Uh, the hot breakfast on triple M. And uh, when they mentioned Paul Brash, and he said, uh, he's not a president. That's just going to sit back. He's going to you know, definitely lean forward in the chair. As he described, uh, he's going to be someone who um, won't just accept, um, you know, the, the understandings of um, someone trying to tell him what's going wrong with the club. He'll actually investigate it. Um, and, you know, he, won't want to be a president of a club that's sinking. So uh, that gives me some confidence, um, you know, that he may actually be the uh, president we need at the moment, to be frank. Um, and, you know, uh, with Warsfold, uh, just my reflections, I think if the original appointment had been three years, that would have been a fantastic time to um, lock him up for because when you look at it fairly, in 2016, he um Certainly you know you know picked up the team and the morale um, after a pretty tough time for bomber fans and uh, you know we finished you know we've got our first wooden spoon I believe that year and um, well the first one for a long time and um, you know as as fans we still went to every game and we loved the way the players played and um, you know you've got to thank Warswold for that um, 2017 um, I know the club was, publicly said in Walswold is maybe we overachieved in 2017 on emotion and adrenaline and we um, got a finals berth. Uh, Again, we were knocked out pretty easily um, in 2017, but it was a really good effort to come from last uh, with all those players returning and make the finals. But I think in the third year of um, 2018, where we failed to build on that, um, it might have been the right time then. But instead the club went the other way. They gave him two years initially um, and then gave him a three-year deal. Only after uh, the win against Adelaide in round 18, uh, sorry, round one, um, he was rewarded with a three-year deal. And that's really locked the bombers in to warsfold And Walsfold said in his press conference today, uh, he's a very much an introvert and, you know, he doesn't, um, he's passionate, but his passion doesn't always come across. And that makes me think sometimes, you know, yeah, you know, I understand that's the way John is, but does your players get motivated by that? You know, maybe they're looking for a coach that does show that kind of emotion. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, you've got to be thankful what John did initially, but uh, I think uh, we have regressed, um, you know, under his leadership the last couple of years, and I think the club wants us all to be rosy and give him a big send off and thank you, but I think. Essendon fans are still thinking about why haven't we moved on? Uh and moving up in the forward, you know, moving forward five years after he initially came in. Yeah, and that's a, a fair observation, James.
1: And you know, it's been sort of widely commented on that, you know, while we've stagnated, other teams such as, you know, your Frios, your your Brisbane's uh, even Melbourne, like they've, um, they were pretty rubbish for a long time, and they've slowly been able to redevelop their brand, and they're now playing more competitive brands of footy. Whereas Essendon hasn't been able to demonstrate any sort of consistency. Like we, we're a team that if we're on, you know, we can look really good, uh, but we can't be consistent within games, let alone across games. So by that I mean we might have a really good quarter, and then be quiet for two or even three quarters. Um, and, you know, that's not the level that's required at AFL level footy. And certainly if you wish to make finals, let alone be a contender within finals, you need to be consistent across games and, you know, have runs of, you know, five, six weeks where you, uh, you're playing really well. And the I guess the disappointing thing is as fans is we see that the difference between our, our worst footy uh, and our best footy is just poles apart. Uh, you know, it's sort of a bit mind-boggling to say, like, how can we be, like, you know, really good, uh, kick seven seven goals in a quarter, say, and, you know, then other, you know, even in the same game, just look really bad. Like our first quarters in particular throughout the whole season have been you yeah, know, pretty woeful. Um, you know, we won our our uh, our second first quarter for the year uh, just, just last week. And like even then, you know, we kicked two goals, one, uh, which isn't outstanding by any means. So, uh, yeah, like we do really need to uh, work on that consistency. And potentially um, it is, you know, having that coach that gives the players a bit of fire in the belly and, you know, really challenges them to to step up and do their best. Not to say, nah, you'll be right, mate. Uh, Just give it your best and you'll be okay. No, I want someone who who challenges them and say, if you want to be in Essendon's best 22, you need to do X, Y, and Z. So whether that's pressure, tackle, harass, uh, if you're not getting the footy, you're making it difficult for your man to get the footy. Uh, We need to win the individual contests to win the game uh, overall. And I think that's what Essendon fans want, that endeavour uh, to to win each and every single contest, not that we will win them, but it's uh, it's having that that ferocity to to not want to be beaten, um, because that's the sort of culture we need to build as a club if we want to be successful uh, going forward.
0: Yeah, so um, mate uh, John Warsfold he made a bit of a um, I think it was about two or three minute uh, you know, basically a statement um, and he tried to address his comments from last week, but. Do you have that statement in front of you, mate? Yeah, I
1: sure do, mate. So if you want to go through it, um, so he said, those of you who know me will always know I play and coach with everything I've got. I'm extremely passionate about anything I do, and I certainly care. I'm also an introvert, and I understand that this passion doesn't always come through, especially in press conferences. Sorry, guys. Uh, I know I'm much better at playing the game rather than just talking about it. So let me be really clear to all Essendon people, which includes all staff, players, members, coteries, and our supporters. I joined our club five years ago because I felt for what it was going through, and I thought I could help. Wins and losses are important, but my great love for the game comes from the people. I saw players hurting. I heard from supporters who were hurting. The club was hurting. I wanted to be part of the club bouncing back, to be part of the footy being fun again at the Essendon Football Club. I had so much respect for the club that I joined to be part of that fight back. I respect the Essendon Football Club family and I can't thank you enough for your loyalty and support for our club through the toughest of times. I heard from you directly about the pain you felt through these tough years. There are better times ahead. I believe strongly in Ben Rutten. That is why I agreed to a succession plan. I believe Ben has learnt and grown this year and is now better placed to take the club forward. As you all get to know him, you will respect him as much as myself and the players do. The Essendon Playing Group have been through two massive transitions in my short time at the Essendon Football Club. I also believe really strongly in these young men I know so well. I I respect there will be those who don't share my confidence. The future will reveal the reality, and I'm looking forward to watching that.
0: Yeah, so so, uh, I can see that he made those comments. Um, You know, it's pretty measured... um, and look, uh, I think there's no doubt that he definitely had the club's best uh, interest at, at heart. Um, and he, he certainly represented us for a really tough time. Uh, I just think probably the last two or three years, we just haven't... Our players don't seem to have developed. And, you know, I know that's on the whole club, but to me, the senior coach definitely has a huge part in that. And... um yeah, I guess as you say, mate, I guess Essendon fans, we can't go to the footy and know what we're going to get from our players and, you know, um, we don't always you know, say you should expect to win, but you should know what your team's uh, principles are, like what, how they're going to play, how they're going to structure up. I don't think we've had that, especially in the last couple of years. No,
1: certainly not. Um, and that word structure, like we've... Uh sort of said that over and over again in this podcast where we look at our, our forward line, particularly uh, we don't know how that's going to structure up week to week, let alone even in, you know, the midfield, the wings, uh, because we don't seem to have a, a solid game plan. You know, we, we sort of talk about, you know, the footy that we want to play but it's difficult to do that when you know the the side is constantly changing its makeup. And look, obviously that's been a lot through injuries this year. We've uh, we've certainly felt the brunt of that this year. But uh, in saying that, we still need to uh, set up the structures that we've tried to uh, you know come up with that we believe is going to be a successful strategy for us. But it's sort of hard to do that when you're playing guys out of the. Uh, I guess the natural positions and in roles that they're not really suited to. So you know, in that, so I'm talking about like Hibbard comes to mind. You know, playing in the playing off the back pocket or something like that. When you know, we we drafted him as an inside mid, um, or you know, even guys like Snelling who we've uh, you know played in the midfield where you know he's he's just not built that way. Uh, like he is a an in and out player. He loves getting in there in the contest, but he's he's not really uh, built to withstand that uh, throughout whole games. And uh, we've really been found out through sides who are more more polished, more experienced. Um, and let's let's hope this uh, this comes with, with playing together. But um, yeah, we're just not seeing that as a club. Uh, we really haven't established that brand that we've been crying
0: out for for a few years now. That's correct. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, disappointing. Uh, I guess um, the other thing, mate, is, you know, uh, with Walsfeld finishing up uh, this week, uh, we can look forward to, you know, basically a new start in terms of, although Rutton and Carousel have been credited with this year's game plan, I still don't think they could have any real belief that it was their side while John's there. So I'm prepared to give them a full pre-season and um, see if the players can develop and learn that structure more maybe without John there because it, it's got to be confusing for the players that um, you've got a senior coach that does everything from the media point of view and then we're being told that Rutten and Carosella do it internally. I just don't think that would gel well with me. If I was a player, I, you know, I'd be thinking, who do I have to impress? You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you, if John Worsfold gave you a task and Rutten gave you a task, you know, I'm sure, um, you know, the players would have to, some confusion on which one they should follow. So, yeah, I'm prepared to give him a full preseason before making a judgment on Rutten and Carousella because uh, it's got to be difficult circumstances. Uh, one thing I, I do know, I don't want to ever see a succession plan again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't really enjoyed that, to be honest. Um, you know, i do prefer knowing who, you, who your coach is and who's not your coach, and um, yeah, you know, let the players uh, have some structure, in, even in that way. But um, yeah, from from one thing I wanted to say with Warfield's last game, um, I know we're going to read out the side in a minute, but it seems baffling that Cale Hooker uh, has remained at this stage as an emergency. Um, it must be some fallout or, you know, I have heard little rumours of disciplinary. Um, I don't know any of the feedback behind that, but it, there was a little bit of rumour of that. Something must have transgressed in the last couple of weeks for uh, Kyle Hooker to cop this treatment. Can't be based on his form. You know, I just don't understand it at all. And, you know, you think with Worsfold's last game, he's uh, a bloke who has been so loyal uh, in Kyle Hooker and uh, Walswald can't even give him a game, so to me, there's something wrong there. Uh, we know Kyle Hooker's contracted for next year. Um, you know, to me, it seems to me that the club's trying to uh give Hooker an idea of maybe transferring to another club, but, you know, it might be a long bow to draw, but to me, I, I just think they want to, you know, you're not you wouldn't treat a statesman of your side who let's face it wasn't playing terribly and had a big second half against the Hawks and yeah you know, his energy probably got us up. You know, remember he kicked that first goal after half time and the energy he showed when he kicked that goal, um, you know, I thought he was really responsible for inspiring his team um after half time in that game. And yeah, something must have gone on, you know, something we're not privy of. But um yeah, what do you think of all that, mate?
1: Yeah, I think you're right, Jane. There has to be something going on in the background, like not only with hooker situation, but we've seen the way the players have, have come out. They they look, look like a beaten side before the bounce is ball, like the ball is bounce rather. Um, so, yeah, know, there has to be some cultural issues there. So whether, you know, hookers, um, you know, Tried to raise that, and you know, yeah, you know, we don't know what happens behind closed doors, and I don't really want to speculate on it. Uh, but what we do know is that, yeah, Hooker is a a loyal and um, uh, well-respected member of the Essendon Football Club. So it is uh, really disappointing to see him uh, sort of be relegated to to the emergency. Uh, if I'm if I'm quite honest, because uh, this bloke. You know we've said it previously. he's stuck through us through thick and thin, and uh you know certainly we can't show enough gratitude for blokes like kale hooker um who have given everything to this club um so look, whatever has transpired, you know, let's hope uh following this season, we can uh i guess move on. Let that water go under the bridge and build into next year. I would be really, yeah, disappointed if we tried to force Hooker out. Because look, if we've got one more year of Hooker, even if we don't offer him a, another contract going forward, uh, he can provide so much value to the SNF Football Club in terms of the development of the young players like you, Ridley's, and uh, even Ambrose uh, coming back in. Uh, you know. Redmond, like these these backs that still need to learn how to position themselves and um, like how to really impact the contest when uh, other people might sort of give up. And, you know, certainly we've seen his, uh, his energy. Uh, he really gets the boys up and about. And that's a very rare trait that we have seen at the Essendon Football Club uh, because there's not many players we can see in the last... You know even ten years that uh, have been able to shoulder the load and almost like demand of the players, you know, get on my back, let's let's go, let's uh let's get back into this contest. I mean, guys that stand out, maybe Joe Watson, um Dyson Heppel has done it at times, but uh you know, apart from that, um Cale Hooker's really been one who's uh, led the fight back. Uh, has been responsible for, yeah, even kicking the winning goals. Like you think of, you know, the Hawks game, the the GWS game last year, and um, he's he's just been such a fantastic player for us and a, a club legend in my eyes. Uh, so, yeah, let, let's hope whatever's happened, we can push this behind us um, and say thanks, John, for your service, uh, and and move on. Uh, with a new new regime under under uh, Ben Rutten,
0: yeah. And uh, just before we read out the side, mate. Um, there was a news report on uh, Channel Seven. Um, now yeah, I know a lot of their comments are, you know, mm. <laughs> speculation. But uh, Mark Stevens has gone with uh, Adam Sard might be playing his last game with the Bombers tomorrow. Um, now, to me, uh, pretty you know, pretty game for a reporter to to say that without some kind of knowledge. But to me, um, you know, and just to temper that, Mark Stevens has just come out in the last you know, couple of minutes and basically said Essendon's still hopeful of retaining Adam Saad. So uh, it doesn't sound like it's a foregone conclusion, but um, yeah, he's certainly made it known that he thinks that um, Saad might be at the door and he's floated Melbourne and North Melbourne as the Teams currently in the lead for his services, uh, you know it's concerning. Um, you know, especially sad is leaving Essendon to even contemplate to go to North Melbourne. Um, to me, it's not obviously chasing success because North um, certainly won't be getting there any faster than Essendon. But uh, to me, that's confusing as well because it seemed at one stage, you know, he was ready to commit and. We, we uh, stopped talks early in the year. Um, now, I guess to compound this, the AFL, and I don't know what the timeline is, they still haven't announced what the uh, the total player payments should be for next year, which I think is pretty irresponsible um, on their behalf because clubs are going to have to you know, try and sign up players without full knowledge of what they're playing with and could lead clubs getting themselves in trouble. So... Um, I think Essendon will be wary of that, but um, the report is now that Essendon had offered Saad 600000 over four years, um, you know, per year. So that sounds like good coin to me, especially when, um, you know, the total player payments are going to come down. We know that due to COVID. Um, but uh, there was talk that SAD is now asking for a fifth year. So, uh Obviously this is the silly season about to start so and there's been so many rumors mate we've been linked to people like Jordan De now um yeah it just doesn't make sense to me like you know if you can't sign your own players why would you try and get a Jordan De Goey you know he's going to cost you plenty and um you know you're watching your own talent walk out the door so um yeah i dare say um there's so much speculation that none of us really know what's going on. But uh, what, what are your thoughts on the Adam Saad situation, mate?
1: Well, first of all, I'd say this, this really goes into Connor McKenna's comments that, you know, the unfortunately, the AFL media landscape is that uh, they sort of reward whoever comes out with a story first as opposed to whoever got the story right. Uh, so, yeah, like reporters are going to continue to speculate and do as they please until they're sort of held to account. Um, so, yeah, I definitely echo Connor's sentiments there. In terms of Adam Sada, it would be a massive loss for us. If we lost him, he's been so consistent throughout the season, which is, you know, there's very, very few players you could say that about at the SNM Football Club right now, Jane. Uh, you know, and that's even reflected in, look, as much as it's, it's a subjective thing, I think our, our Don's Cast Medal votes are sort of reflective of, uh, you know, who's been constantly performing over the course of the year and, you know, five names really spring to mind. you know, you've got Ridley, Sard, McGrath, uh, Sheil and, and Merritt. Uh, and then, you know, from there, it sort of uh, you know, drops away pretty significantly. You know, more recently, uh, you know, Parish has sort of jumped up and, um, you know, Langford's shown a bit uh, to our mind. But, um, yeah, the... To have consistently performing players is uh, such a it's, it's such a strong need to have. Uh, you can't have people being, you know, hot one week and, and cold the next. So it'd be a massive loss for us. Um, you know, I I suppose you see it in two sides. You know, uh, we we don't want to sort of overcommit. If yeah, the those. Uh, the player payments are, are coming down significantly, and as you say, we will leave ourselves in trouble, or um, in a situation where we, you know, pay more money than we're sort of able to, which means we're no longer able to retain the services of um, other players. Like we've got quite a number of players that are up this year. So you look at you know, Langford and Ridley, two of the names we just sort of looked at, and um, you know they're they're really important signings uh, for mine. And that's certainly not the extensive list. There's there's quite a number. So there's a lot to work through. We still haven't signed Joe Danaher or don't really know what he's doing and he'll demand Bitcoin. So it's uh, going to be a really difficult situation. I guess you understand uh, when players do have family that, um, you know, of course they're going to try to look for stability and um, yeah, search for the the best coin they can have available. Professional football players only have a limited time frame uh, from which to to make the most of uh, their capabilities, uh, and uh, i certainly respect their decision to to search all avenues to see the best the best deal for their family. I just hope the sn Football Club is working uh, with Adam Saad to even if we weren't willing to commit to a fifth year, I mean, obviously by that time he'd be 31 or so. And, uh, would he maintain his speed at that age? No one knows. Um, so perhaps we offered him, you know, four years with a, uh, sort of performance, um, you know, bonus for lack of a better term where, you know, if, if you play, you know, 20 games for these next four seasons. You'll trigger a fifth year, uh, depending on you know, performance and things like that. Um, these are options. I'm sure they're they're banding about, but uh, yeah, he's certainly one I'm I'm hoping to have on the books. Uh, yeah, for many years ahead.
0: Yeah, and the other player you failed to mention, mate, was uh, Andy McGrath, and that's another great player that um we have to sign up. So, you know, when you think about it. Um, I can understand the club really needs a decision from Joe Danaher because obviously he's going to command probably the most money out of all our uncontracted players. So to me, um, Danaher, they need to know what's happening there. There was talk during the week that he um, uh, had a bit of a... You know, called the players in and made a comment at one of the training sessions. Um, you know, It could be just about John Worsfold, you know, maybe getting the players around him uh, in his final week. But, um, you know, who's to, who's to know? You know, speculation that you know, he may have said he was uh, either staying or going. I, I don't think that would be the uh, best time to do that, you know, when you're pre- preparing for a game. But um, who knows? He may have. Um, but I think the club, you know, obviously has to be wise with their uh, salaries and know what their projected player payments are going to be in terms of, all right, if Danahur stays, he's going to be on this amount and this is going to leave this much. And then, you know, the next one we want to sign up Ridley. You know, what's his expectations? And then McGrath, obviously um, he, he's set for a, a massive bonus on what was his initial rookie um, deal, which is, you know, he's generally, you know, much lower than when you come to this stage of your career, when you can start to ask for a bit more money. So, um you know I guess the club probably wants to know what's the salary cup gonna be, what's the playing list numbers gonna be, and uh what can we commit to but I just said, having said that like it's still strange we're still linked to a lot of players, um you yeah, know, and some of them are highly paid ones, so I've uh, heard Brad crouch um you know he he wants big money, um you know you've heard the Jordan degoy, there's been loose rumors about Jeremy Cameron. These players, you know, they're going to demand huge money. So, um, to me, what any, uh, any club should do is look after their own first, know which one of your own you want to keep and, and non-negotiables to lose. But we don't seem to have done that. There doesn't seem to be any real strategy or at least no conclusion to the strategy. And um, there's been no real communication to give us any hope that uh, we're close.
1: No, I mean the closest we heard was that uh there might have been a four-year deal presented to to Ridley. We we haven't really heard anything about that since. Um one thing I wasn't gonna say, mate, is uh, you know, if Sard has been linked to North Melbourne, perhaps it's uh finally they they're, they're gonna lure a big fish through their war chest, mate. Um mm. hasn't been successful in the last few years, but um yeah, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh but yeah, I think you know most clubs would be like basically in the same boat. You know, you yeah, unless you know how many players you're going to have in your list uh, and that kind of thing, it's hard to put a dollar value when you don't know. You know, the, uh, the I suppose the the playing field you, you're working within, uh, because the difference of you know a couple million bucks over the course of a playing list can make a huge difference. Uh, you know incentives for for players, and um, you know you you really want to keep someone, so you give them um, you know a bit extra. So like a Assad, who you, you know is a dependable player, always prepares himself well. Um, it just yeah makes it uh, a really difficult environment to work in. So uh, yeah, I guess this will be a, a interesting time, and and we've seen North Melbourne already; they've cut eleven players from their list. Uh, so, for mine, it looks like their strategy is look let's let's cut who we're definite about and use this time to uh, yeah invest in you know, potentially recruiting players from other clubs that they see real value in. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we go following this game, whether we uh you know make a number of deal listings uh known early. Uh, but yeah, I guess no one will know when, until the fat lady sings And uh, yeah, it's certainly interesting times ahead
0: Yeah, I'm was, I was interested to see Jasper Pittard Was one of the players gone And um, yeah, Adam started would be a, like a huge improvement Over uh, Pittard um, for, the, for the Kangaroo So um, let's hope that uh, the rumours are wrong And Sardy does stick with the Bombers All right, mate. Well, why don't you read out the side that's been named for our final game of the 2020 season in what will be the COVID Cup?
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, the outs from last week's uh, match were Andrew Phillips, Jacob Townsend and Mitchell Hibbard, all omitted. And coming into the side are Jaden Laverde, Mason Redman and Michael Hurley. So if I go from the back line, so we've got Jordan Ridley, Brandon Zerk-Thatcher and Marty Gleeson. Halfbacks of Devin Smith, Michael Hurley and Adam Sard. The centres, we've got Tom Cutler, Zach Merritt and Braden Ham. Half forward line of Will Snelling, James Stewart and Matt Guelphie. Forwards of Jake Stringer, Joe Danaher and Anthony McDonald-Tippen-Woody. The followers, Sammy Draper, Dylan Scheel, Darcy Parrish. On the bench, we've got Jaden Laverty. Mason Redmond, Dylan Clark, and Kyle Langford were the emergencies of Josh Begley, Andrew Phillips, Cale
0: Hooker, and Kobe March. Yeah, still baffles me that Kale Hooker's on the emergency list. But, um, yeah, well, apart from that, um, yeah, and, and this is... I want to call this up because um, even though it's John Walsfeld's last game, this is like a bit of a hint of what we mean when he sends out mixed, message, mixed, uh, sorry, mixed messages about... um. He said that Carl Hooker was dropped because we don't think he can get to his best, and that's what we do when we drop players. Um, and, again, this is not to embarrass or target anyone, but you can't say that and then persevere with Marty Gleeson despite his current form. And, you know what I mean, like you can't have different rules for different people, um, particularly when Carl Hooker's upside is much stronger than um, Marty's. and to me I just think that's really mixed messaging and um you know baffles the supporter base and that's what I mean like give us the if you're going to speak like that John don't treat us as dummies that we get, don't ask questions back because to me that's the most baffling of all we we don't think Carl Hooker can get anywhere near his best uh in the week ahead he said uh yet you think may you know you think Marty's going to get you know, just um all of a sudden become the greatest halfback blanker of all time. So, to me, um, yeah, I just I don't get that messaging.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, and obviously it's not Marty Gleeson um, solely. I mean, we've seen it with Tom Cutler, we've seen it with David Zaharakis, we've seen it with uh, you know many other players like even Jake Stringer, you'd have to say. Uh, so, yeah, it is mixed messages from the club, and um, it's disappointing uh, to see that you know John's made these. Calls in the media that's been sort of called out, and they've said, Well, you know, would, would Essen and look at moving him on because he's sort of gone off script? Uh, the club hasn't. Uh, in fact, they appear to have, you know, supported him in his statements uh, with him saying how great he's been for the Essen Football Club. And look, again, look, we'll, we've said it ourselves like he was great in, that, that in those initial years. Um, but, you know, his, the mixed messages don't stop. With Cahulka, okay, you know, we saw in uh, when was it April or so. He's saying, "Oh, I reckon we're a real tilt to to go for the premiership." Uh, and then, you know, a few months later, he's saying, nah, we're probably a good three three pre seasons away from from competing with the best sides in the league." And those statements are poles apart, and that's the frustration we get as Essendon fans because if you're telling us to be patient. But at the same time, you're telling us, you know, we're, in the, we're, going, to, we're going to gun for a premiership. Um, but then also saying that, you know, we're three pre-seasons away from being a, a top side. Uh, yeah, you know, what do you, what do you want to say? It's like, uh, it's, uh, it's difficult to sort of listen to that and have any faith in what the messaging is uh, from the Essendon leadership. Which is, uh, I guess, an, an unfortunate reflection, but a, a reflection of a fan, nonetheless. So, um, yeah, look, I guess you look, you look at the side that's named, and I mean, you, you couldn't you couldn't doubt the the omissions made. Uh, of course, like Andrew Phillips, you know, we're we're you know bringing uh, Sammy Japes to be our number one ruck. So, uh, looks like we've given that even that sole responsibility this week. Uh, so. You, you know while I'm sure he would have loved to, to have played uh, you can't really argue against uh, those those calls uh, but in terms of other guys who are playing uh, yeah Marty Gleason's Tom Cutler and uh, yeah look let's hope they they do perform but um, yeah I guess I guess we'll see how we go uh, we uh, yeah I'm not sure how we're going to structure up if I'm quite honest because there's a lot of guys out there that uh, I'm not really sure about, but I'm guessing yeah, calls will be made at the end of the season uh, and I guess we'll be a, in a more informed position
0: uh, yeah, after that's made. And you'd think that um, Sean McKernan and to a lesser extent, Jacob Tansin, um their papers must be stamped. I think um, to me that, uh, you know, Sean McKernan hasn't had a look in since he's been dropped. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't bode well. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, decisions must have been made. Um, and I'm wondering if we'll do one of those big, um, you know, like North did with the 11 players. I wonder if we're going to name some players, uh, I suspect, after the uh, best and fairest, which has been announced to be, a, I think, a, a Zoom. Zoom assume, uh, telecast over, um, you know, on Sunday evening. So um, I suppose after that, then we might do the same and cut into our list. And I would suggest it would be pretty deep, I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, absolutely, mate. And obviously, there'll be calls made from from players. So, yeah, those out-of-contract players, uh, you know, obviously, as we've said, Joe Danaher, Adam yeah McGrath, Langford um you know, because while we hope they'll recommit with the club um there's no guarantees until there's a uh a signature on the bottom bottom line there, and um you know even in terms of our list management uh you'd have to say Adrian Doro's position uh would have to be questioned at this stage um uh, but yeah I guess we'll uh we'll all live and learn and and see what happens. Uh, but, you know, going into this game, you know, I think the the side named is is probably as, as good as we've got available at the moment, except for Cal Hooker, of course. I uh, would have loved to have seen him in the side. Uh, but, um, yeah, let's hope the boys can give it a, a real red-hot crack. Um, but I, I think it'll be a, a pretty tough ask, if I'm quite honest.
0: Yeah, I think so too, mate. Uh, why don't you read out Melbourne's side um, just so we know who we're up against?
1: Beauty, mate. So out of their side comes uh, Neville Jedder, omitted, uh, and in comes Michael Hibbard. So if I go from their back line, so they've got Joel Smith, Stephen May, Michael Hibbard. Half backs of Trent Rivers, Jake Lever, Christian Salem. Centres of Ed Langdon, Christian Petrarca, Aaron Vanderberg. Half wards of Jaden Hunt. Sam Wiedemann and Alex Neil Bullen, forwards of Kazea Pickett, uh, Mitch Brown and Charlie Spargo, followers of Max Gorn, Jack Viney and Clayton Oliver, the bench of Jakey Malksham, Adam Tomlinson, Bailey Fritch and Oscar Baker, with emergencies of Luke Jackson, Mitch Hannon, Tom Sparrow and Neville Jetta.
0: Yeah, so uh, Melbourne they've definitely got something to play for, but. Um, they're no guarantee to make the finals, even if they beat us uh, fairly convincingly. Um, so in some ways, they, they do need their results to go their way. Um, so we'll have to wait and see um, what their motivation is. I think after today's game, um, the Giants and the Saints, we'll see uh, where that leaves um, you know Melbourne's finals hopes because obviously West Coast won the other day. Um, I think the other results they're waiting for, for is um, yeah that lower part. So uh, Collingwood, they're guaranteed a final spot now. So there's there's only really that eight spot really that um is up and ready to go for them. So um, it'll be interesting to see their motivation if they are uh, if there's if they haven't got a spot um, to play for. But um so that'll be uh, very interesting to see. Uh, so. Yeah, just
1: just with that, James. Like I was listening to the Sash Boys, and they were sort of talking about because they did a uh, they did a joint podcast with the debrief. Um, so they were sort of saying, look, if uh, I think it was if the Giants got up by two goals, then they'd need to beat us by six goals or more to sort of guarantee themselves a uh, a spot in the finals based on uh, percentage. Uh, however. Uh, if um, if the Saints won, then they'd basically have to you know beat us by as much as they can, but uh, they'd really be um, you know sweating on the result of the Fremantle game against that was a Sunday game, I believe, against the Bulldogs, uh, as to whether they could snag a spot. So um, I guess the the big thing is if. Uh, Melbourne are committed. They'll want to beat us and beat us handsomely. So I guess our uh, our challenge is to, yeah, look, not let them have the game on their terms. And, um, you know, certainly um, we've, I mean, both of our, our sides have shown, a, I suppose, a lack of, you know, being able to be consistent throughout the period of a game. So it'll be a very interesting con- contest. Um, Yeah, unfortunately for us, we don't have a dog in the fight in terms of the finals race. But, uh, you know, comes this time of season, it's a bit like snooker. You just want to stop the other team from getting there. So uh, it'll be an interesting game, Jame. And, uh, look, all all we're hoping for is a strong contest by the boys and, uh, yeah, hopefully be able to use this springboard going into next season because we certainly need some hope.
0: That's right. Um, all right, mate, well, what we'll do is we'll have a break, uh, and coming up after the break, we've got a special guest, Paul Cousins. (laughs) Paul Cousins for joining us on, uh, Don's Cast. Um, this is our first, uh, year of doing this, but we've had a lot of listeners and we're thankful for that. And we're, uh. Proud to say you're our first guest. So thank you, Paul, for joining us.
2: No worries. What an honour. First guest, hey? I like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Paul. So we know that uh, your current status is uh, VFL president of the uh, Essendon side. Um, you know, is that, how, how has that been run uh, this year? Obviously, with no VFL side, is, has the club given you any indication um, looking ahead for next year that they'd like to have another standalone VFL side. Understanding, I think um, Brisbane uh, and also Sydney uh, join the VFL competition.
2: Yeah. So um, the the NIFL will be joining the the VFL. So how many of those clubs, field standalone clubs, we'll see? But theoretically, it could be sort of at least Brisbane, Sydney, um, GWS, and Gold Coast all all in the competition, which would be interesting, of course. And um, you know, add a bit of travel and all that, but. Um, yeah, we'll we'll wait and see on the bombers. Um, it, it, it's still a little bit up in the air. I think, it, like, say up in the air. Obviously, it's um, it's being talked about it at at uh, the upper levels of the club. I'm sure, um, but those guys are all up on the hub, of course. So it's all a little bit separated at the moment. But um, I, I think at this stage, the intention is um, for the club to go forward with the VFL program. Um, with our own VFL program, I should say, uh, h- how that exactly looks still remains to be seen. A little bit, um, as far as you know, the the, the financial investment, um, given the, the current financial situation, as well as the sort of soft soft cap implications next year with a with a big reduction in that, um, and VFL staff counting in in the soft cap, so. Uh, all of those things combined mean that it's still being worked out. I think exactly the best way for us to approach it, um, it could be a situation where basically it's uh, you know our AFL guys who aren't getting a game or coming back from injury or whatever, combined with uh, a bunch of sort of um, under eighteen NAB League players or that sort of situation is possible. Um, Obviously, there would be a pretty, a pretty decent money saving there on on programs we've run in the past. So, um, the club's keen to get the best development program in place it can. Um, but you know, obviously, um, the financial constraints are, are very real uh, given the current situation. So, hopefully, we've got um, a bit more clarity on that in the in the next little while because it'll it'll roll around again pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, and just thinking about it, Paul. Um, you know, with the uh needful sides coming into it um as you say the the cost of travel uh i'm wondering who's going to be paying for that is it is the afl going to compensate for that or is that going to be expected for the clubs who actually enter the competition to pay all of that because um to me no that's that, oh, to look uh,
2: it, it, to the afl's credit they've they've um you know it, it'd be a very difficult situation to say to uh, AFL clubs, let alone you know VFL standalone clubs, Coburg and Williamstown, these kind of clubs to say to them, look, you've now got to go to Sydney and Brisbane four times a year. Um, so the AFL have uh, agreed that that they'll subsidise the cost of that. Um, otherwise, yeah, it'd it just be uh, you know, there's there's no way those those standalone clubs, particularly, but also AFL clubs now with. With the soft cap implications, there's just no way we could do that. So the AFL, uh, I think, have, have agreed to pay that. And I think AFL Victoria, um, who who run the VFL, have uh, agreed to waive any um, licence fees for clubs this year as well. Which is a pretty decent saving as well. So, um, the AFL are doing their best to make it a, an affordable solution. Uh, I guess it's up to individual clubs how they then go about it.
0: And just uh, before Nick gets the question in, um, do you think the, uh, there'll be some kind of um, TV deal like, for the second competition? Because you'd think there would be uh, an interest in the competition. Like, I know we've been on uh, Channel 7 currently, but do you think uh, with an expanded, uh, you know, adding those Sydney and Queensland sides, that that's a possibility?
2: Yeah, it's possible it could expand a bit. Yeah, maybe they, they might consider going out to a couple of games a weekend. I'm not sure. Um, it's uh, it's tricky because you know obviously uh, uh, Gold Coast Suns versus Sydney Swans second's game isn't going to rate too many people in Melbourne. Um, so it's a matter of the way they do it at the moment with one sort of feature game a weekend. I think is really good. It, it draws a lot of interest and also um, you know the ratings, particularly I should say when the Bombers are involved, we tend to rate really well with our VFL program, which is good. I think we. We tend to have the highest ratings in the comp, um, but it could be a, you know, we could be looking at an 18-20 team competition uh, with these NAFL teams coming in. So, it'll be a very big competition and maybe um, worthwhile having two games a weekend there. I'm not sure on where seven are at. I know they're trying to um, uh, perhaps renegotiate their situation with cricket at the moment. So, I'm guessing that money's pretty tight for them as well. So, whether they'd want to commit to another game or not, I'm not sure.
1: Okay. Ah, uh, Nick. Yeah, beautiful. So, um, look, Paul. First of all, like we've listened to you talk a lot about the Bombers, like both at AFL and VFL level, level uh, generally through the Sash Boys with Rob and Mert. Um, so, I've got to say, on behalf of both of us, like it's been great to listen to your thoughts and observations of players, and uh, you talk with real passion and care regarding the club. So, I just wanted to ask, sort of, first of all, like given this uh, this year's shown up uh, like quite a number of issues, like. How has this this sort of year been for you given the situation with the VFL um, and and the hubs where we're all sort of distant from, um, you know, being involved with the club?
2: Yeah, look, I'm not going to lie. It's been tough, to be honest. We, um, as it has for everyone, I know, but we went through a whole sort of pre-season together and a lot of, I know a lot of um, country and suburban footballers can relate as well, but, um, you know, we. We've been working, and the players have been working, I should say, I stand and watch, but the players have been working for, um, and the coaches and everyone else have been working for, you know, four or five months by the time we got shut down. Um, we've been sort of going since November, and I think our last game was, uh, what, uh, Feb, March, you know, late Feb, early March or somewhere there. So, um yeah, we were I think we had two practice matches to go and then we were into round one. Um, so we were right at the pointy end of things. So to ha- to go through the, the whole pre season together and you know, VfL preseasons a serious business. It's not um yeah. not easy and, and if you're gonna go through one you gotta commit. Um, so to go through with all those guys and get right up to that point and then, you know, we had the will we or won't we get a season in for several months, and uh, eventually in sort of, oh, I guess it was um, June-ish, uh, AFL and the, oh, the, sorry, the VFL League announced that um, at that point they were going to go ahead just with standalone clubs, which which didn't end up happening anyway. Um, but that officially sort of ended our season, and even though we sort of knew that was coming, it was a bit of a slap in the face for me, and I'm sure it was um, to a few of the players as well, just because you continue to hold out that faint hope. Um, and you know we 've had such a good group of guys um, and and girls involved in the in the um, in the staffing but from the playing point of view such a good group of guys so close and um, and you know really care about each other so uh, to to sort of have that program ripped away and i 'm sure some guys took it better than others and others have struggled a bit. bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not easy for sure. It's uh, it's. I mean, it's a year we'd probably rather all forget, to be
1: honest. Yeah, absolutely. But just, I suppose, just with that, Paul. um, You know, can you talk to us a bit about like the ongoing effects of that? Like um, how you and the club have been able to sort of manage that situation, particularly for the VFL-listed guys. Like, was there um, much sort of welfareing? Going on uh, for the players, uh, going on throughout the season. Like I'm sure it wasn't just a, a sort of cut and dry kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's um, so
2: Luke Ball was um, ha, had moved into our looking after our VFL program this year, um, and all he kept uh, in, in contact with all the guys and just made sure he was sort of touching base and um, and everyone else. I think that as we've got a, a WhatsApp group or whatever where they sort of um, keep touch with each other as well. And mm-hmm. from my point of view, I made sure to um, reach out to, to some players who, who um, you know, who, who I am close with and, and the leaders of our group and just see how everyone is. And um, I spoke with, you know, Aaron Heppel and a couple of times and we exchanged some messages and stuff just see how he was, see how the group is and uh, and then obviously when it all ended um or, or the season sort of looked like it was ending, we all um touch base again and um just made sure everyone knew that you know that that um they're all important to the program that that we're all pretty sad that it didn't go ahead and um you know that we really that we just hope to get back to it. I guess it's it was all so up in the air at that point that yeah. Um, yeah. you know the future that you just sort of oh, I I wrote um, you know our entire program and email and I think I ended up with you know, hope to see you all again <laughs> yeah. and, and it's it's <laughs> sort of a bit that way you know like it's um, no no one sort of knew what we were doing and what the future held with that so I haven't spoken to the guys in a little while now obviously. Um, our season officially has been over for a fair while, but I have to reach out to everyone again soon, particularly once we get some clarity around um, what next year might look like. And as I said, we've we've got some really great people in our VFL program, and I think anyone who's watched us over the last few years and paid attention to how the VFL have gone, um, that that really tight culture that we've got would sort of shine through and. Um, you know, I think we've played in three prelims the last five years, um, and probably done so pretty undermanned in most of those years compared to opposition that we're beating. So, um, you know, it's incredibly, um, strong group culturally. It's a group that really enjoys each other's company and and stuck together, um, as they say. So, uh, yeah, look, we just hope that we can, um, continue on and you know the boys are all okay and we can touch base soon and hopefully all get together and maybe have a view when all of this sort of
0: restrictions and everything end yeah yeah you feel for the players don't you they did all the pre-season um you know that's the hard the grind isn't it without the reward of you know playing a game and then you get through the hard part which is you know november and you know coming back into january and uh, get ready for a season, then just have it taken away for you. You can only imagine the disappointment. And I guess some yeah. of those players are relying on that extra income coming in, you know, to help their families as well.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Look, it's um, the, the majority of guys, to be honest. Not many people play VFL for the money. There's more money in suburban leagues. Um, yeah. But um, they, you know, the most of the guys playing at that level play because they want to play at the highest level they can, and certainly there's some with uh, or a lot with AFL ambitions and, you know, whether they've just missed out in their draft year or they've had some injuries over the journey or whatever the case may be. Um, You know, guys want to, want to be the absolute best footballers they can be. And the VFL um, other than the AFL, I think the VFL is the best footy in the country. And um, so whilst there's not a lot of money in it, there's certainly, um, you know, no, no lack of uh, of ambition, and and certainly no lack of determination for, for guys to play there. So, as you say, to go right through the preseason and get you know three weeks away from round one or whatever we were was mm. a reasonable kick in the guts. But um, you just sort of wish the team had got to play together a few times. Like we played two practice matches, I think at the time. But um, the you know the first practice match was very much just. All the young kids in the second practice match, we just started to integrate a few guys back in and um so um yeah, we never never really got to see the group play together and it was a pretty exciting group this year. So it's a shame, but you know, onwards and upwards and all that. Yeah, yeah with
0: um AFL teams reducing uh next year. Um obviously we've heard talk of play playing lists go down to forty or potentially thirty-eight. Um yeah, you know, there's going to be a lot of players that are you know who were in the AFL system then out. Do you think that'll make it, uh, you know, a bit more accessible to get some B, some ex-AFL players into the system?
2: Yeah, look, it's certainly possible. Um, it'll have the effect, of course, of less AFL players um, playing VFL while on AFL lists. Um, so you know, in, in this year, have we played VFL? Which we didn't, but. Um, we, we would have been looking at probably at times close to 20 guys available for the VFL, um, whereas next year, you know, that might be 12 um, AFL-listed guys. That is so. Um, yeah, there, there'll be some more ex-AFL guys floating around the VFL, or or perhaps um, floating around as non-AFL guys. Um, so yeah, that's possible. It's the the one issue there, I guess, is the money. Um, a lot of guys who come out of the AFL system, if they're unless they're nineteen to twenty-two and hoping to get back in, um, you know, twenty-five, twenty-six-year-olds, I suspect are more likely to go to suburban footy and um, even country footy, where there's likely, you know, they're likely to have a bit more earning power, yeah. um, just because the the salary cap implications, the soft cap implications at AFL footy clubs next year is going to make it very tight. So, you know, they might, you might find that um, the standalone clubs, your Williamstown, Werribee, Frankston, these sort of clubs um, might actually be a fair bit stronger. They might actually get access to more of those guys because the salary cap as such hasn't changed significantly in the VFL. But um, the AFL teams, when you add in sort of soft cap implications, they'll probably be pretty reluctant to spend too much. On VFL programs would be my guess. So, um, yeah, it'll, uh, who knows? You know how it's all going to shake out. It's all still a little bit of a mystery, but um, it'll still be. You know, uh, I suspect it'll still be the second best footy in the country, or, or very close to. So, um, but most importantly, you know, we need to put together a really good development program for the AFL, so that we've seen guys this year like um, Kyle Langford and Geordie Ridley and. Um, Guys like that who, who have played quite a bit of VFL footy in the last couple of years will become probably top players at our footy right now. So um, it's, that, that shows you how important the, the VFL is as a, as a development program for the AFL.
1: Yeah, and I think we've definitely appreciated that as, as fans this year, Paul. Like you've seen some guys who well, could have done with a run in the VFL before coming up to AFL level, like I sort of think of uh, James Stewart, um, you know, even Marty Gleason at times, just to get that, that confidence in his game, and um, uh, I suppose yeah, get them playing back their their best footy. So in terms of yeah, you know, let's hope it all goes ahead next year. So what what plans have Essendon put in place to help the VFL side uh, prepare and compete in next year's competition? Uh, yeah, should it go ahead? That's a good question.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, that'll uh, that'll all be being put in place by um, the GM of footy, Dan Richardson. I'm sure, and and those guys who are in the hub at the moment. Um, it, it's because it's been so up in the air until very, very recently. Uh, you know, certainly um, there's been some base touching with players and that sort of thing. But um, as much as anything, it's just been you know. Keep yourself in shape, stay healthy, look after yourselves and, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully we can get back to it soon. So, I'm sure as soon as there's concrete uh, plans in place that um, will immediately start to staffing and, and uh, players and that sort of stuff and putting in place that's programmed and, uh, you know, to be honest, up until a month ago, I suspect barely any AFL clubs even knew if they were going to have a VFL. Yeah. So, It's just been. I think it's been such an extreme year for those guys who, who, you know, operationally working full time in the program. That I really think there's there's just some things that you know that they just have to deal with as they come up. Um, So I know there's planning gone on over the last little while around the VFL next year and as i said hopefully uh we'll get some clarity and some announcements in the in the very near future
0: right um okay so just um stepping away from the vfl for a little bit um mm-hmm. just a couple of last questions because I, I don't want to keep you too long but um if we yeah. could ask uh you mentioned uh well, recently you were going to have a meeting with um the incoming Essendon president paul brasher um what's your understanding of how he deals is he going to be like a a bit quiet like uh, Lindsay Tanner or should we expect a, a different kind of president when Paul brush up?
2: I'm not sure actually. Um, yeah. We're hoping to catch up for a coffee soon, but nothing official. <laughs> just, okay. a, just a coffee of mug, Freds. He's a, he's a great man, Paul. He's um, I spent three years on the board with him and uh, he was incredibly um, welcoming and warm to me. He's, he's, a really um, genuine and, and incredibly good person. Uh, he's also uh, extremely smart and uh, very, very good at what he does. He was the the uh, chairman of the global board of Price Waterhouse Coopers, which um, you know is pretty much a <laughs> masters of the universe um, type <laughs> resume position. So uh, he's he's as smart as you'll meet. He's incredibly passionate about the club, but he's also really really determined character and um, lost his an incredibly warm and friendly guy. I wouldn't want to get on the wrong title. So. Um, so hello, Paul, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but no, he's a working he's a guy. He loves the footy club and he will be doing everything in his power to make sure.
0: Well, uh, Eddie McGuire recently said on um, the hot breakfast there on Triple M said uh, Paul Brash is a you know, person that will lean forward in the chair to make sure... All decks are on board. So um, sounds like uh, Eddie, I don't know what history he has with um, Paul, but he, he certainly gave him a bit of a glowing reference. That's so, uh. <laughs> no,
2: interesting. No, <laughs> I didn't know that. But yeah. their paths would have crossed a bit over the journey. But, um, yeah, look, he's a um, yeah, he's certainly he's no shrinking violet, Paul. If he's got an opinion, you'll know about it.
0: Okay, well, that sounds good because, um, yeah, look, and this is not to disrespect the current board, but um, we've been a bit bemused, I guess, um, just the the lack of, uh, you know, fight back that, you know, considering what the media is saying about us and seems pretty constant for the last, you know, five to six weeks at least. Um, I understand, you know, you used to be on the board yourself, as you said. Um, why do you think the club has decided, you know, and this is only your opinion, but why do you think the club would, um, you know, be not making any strong comments in response to that? Do you think they're just trying to, uh, you know, see out this season and, and press the reset button?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure, to be honest. It, it's, um, look, it's one of those situations where if you sort of, if you bite at one thing, you end up biting at everything, which isn't good. Um, mm. But it, it, I would also say that that's, that's really not a board role to, um yep sort of go at the media and publicly speak or whatever It you know the the sort of um public pronouncements and stuff are are largely made by the executive and and by Xavier um and the board uh, uh you know try to stay out of his business in that way and um if certainly if um the the president felt compelled to speak on a topic he could um but it's yeah. I think Lindsay and Xavier's dynamic over the last couple of years seems to have been that um, Xavier would do more of the of the sort of public speaking and stuff, and Lindsay stays a little bit more in the background. So, um, you know, that's uh, whether that's frustrated some people or not, I'm not sure. But um, he's he's uh, yeah. He he tends to stay out of Xavier's way a little bit on that one. But it is you know, it's a difficult situation when you get in. You sort of copying it in the media, and obviously, I was, I was on the board from the end of 2014 to 2017, which was a, would say, a reasonably tumultuous period in the footy club history. It was. Um, thankfully, we were able to turn things around really well, and and had a pretty strong 2017, sort of on and off field. In the end, below we lost our first final, obviously, but I think finished seventh with a percentage of 107 or something. So. Um, coming off winning the Wooden Spoon the year before, it was a pretty good effort, and um, we're able to turn things around pretty well. But the uh, yeah, the the year before and and the year before, to be honest, 16 and 15 uh, were both obviously big media years, and um, it, it sort of got to that situation where people are screaming out for the board to speak out or that you know, someone to speak out. Or but once just spoke out once, you suddenly had to speak out you know why aren't you then answering Mm. this one tomorrow why Mm. aren't you answering that one the day after and why you know it becomes a bit of a feeding frenzy so uh, it takes um, a fair bit of discipline let me tell you there was times I wanted to scream from the rooftops um, and and, now I know the the various presidents along the way probably felt the same way but um, it doesn't Often serve in the best interests, There's certainly a time and a place though, where you know it's important that club leadership are heard and um, uh, you know and and defend the club or whatever. And um, I'm sure uh, Paul Brasher will, will figure that out as he goes along with you know when to when to speak and when not to. It's not an easy
1: question, that's for sure. Yeah, beautiful. And just on that, Paul. Uh, so I believe the you know, the next uh, board election should be coming up uh, this year. I think it is. Uh, will you be putting your hand up again, having another roll of the dice?
2: <laughs> no, no, I, don't, I, I have no intentions of going through another, uh, another election process at this point. I didn't enjoy the election campaign too much last time. <laughs> I think it's fair to say. So, um, you tend to, you know, you sort of work pretty hard for a few years and feel like, you've had a bit of success and then sort of get your head kicked in by eight or ten candidates <laughs> who want to seat, and, uh, and then lose your seat and uh, not be able to sort of say much or do much. It, it wasn't much fun, to be honest. So uh, I love the club. I've, I've uh, maintained a level of involvement through the VFL staff. and um, Who knows? You never say never. I might consider it one day again, but uh, no, no intentions at this point. I think... This, so this was actually my... Election cycle. This is Katie Leo and Sean Wellman. So, it was three years ago that they were last up. Well, I was up in um, election. So, um, they've rolled around again. So, I don't know how many are going to run against them or whatever. I guess we'll wait and see. It's it's tricky times at the
0: footy club, that's for sure. Absolutely. And just uh, on that, Paul, I um, just wanted to say, as a supporter, it's been fantastic the class that you've handled that uh, situation. You know, you can hear in your voice it was a disappointing period for you, but uh, you still made yourself available. And as Nick said, you you go on the Don's car. Uh, sorry, you go on the um, you know, the Sash's podcast and make yourself available to today. And you're our first guest today. And um, you know, that kind of stuff isn't forgotten by your fans. And um, yeah, I just want to say thank you for you know, the class you've shown, and um, you can still see that passion um, you know, listening to you on the Sash. Um, it was just great feedback to hear from the president of the VFL side, giving his thoughts about each game. So, uh, yeah, understand that you, you are appreciated. And I actually said to you, um, you know, privately, you know, um, I think as fans, sometimes we can get sold by um, ex champions, and champions. You know, and, you, you know, you see their names and you remember what they did in the footy field and, you know, what you do doing behind a board we don't actually see, if you know what I mean. So, um yeah, I hope you would never take that personally because um I just think sometimes as supporters we get sold on oh, I remember Sean Wellman. He was our, you know, half back on um, you know, in the two thousand premiership side. Do you know what I mean? Like so um yeah, I just want you to know that you um you it's never been uh forgotten how you've still made yourself available to our fans.
2: No, I appreciate that. That's really kind of you. Thank you.
0: It's uh I didn't take it personally.
2: I, I actually said to my uh, my late mum at the time, who was, uh, when the election was on, I said um, something about uh, I was probably going to struggle. And um, she said, oh, no, you'll be fine. And I said, uh, have a look at the ballot and tell me who'd you vote, who you'd vote for if I wasn't on there. Yeah oh, yeah okay okay he might be in <laughs> <this right. laughs> uh yeah look it's i I didn't take it personally it's hard it's hard when you and board positions and that are re, it's really difficult to vote for them because as you say you don't know from the outside what each director does and as a um you know as a board member of a footy club who was going through a fair bit at the time you didn't you don't speak out about your sort of your individual Things that you might have done, or you know, you sort of you tend to take your your wins and your losses as a board um, rather than as a group of individuals. It's important for boards, particularly when clubs are um, you know maybe feeling a bit of pressure. It's important for boards to really stick together and not become individuals and have you know. So so you didn't go into an election campaign and say, well, I've done this, this, and this as One on the board because the, the, those are board achievements, they're not individual achievements. So, um, yeah, it does make, makes running when you're an incumbent in that situation very, very difficult because the the challengers can all say, well, I'll do this, this and this, but the, you know, and, and get a round of applause, but the incumbent can only say, well, as a club, we've achieved this.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you can't really individualise yourself, which um, it's a it makes these these campaigns, um, election campaigns, a bit flawed, to be honest. It really favours, particularly if things aren't going great for the club. It really favours um, the challenges and, and and have some pretty good people as incumbents who um, who end up getting the flick. Um, you know, based based on nothing more than well, the, the team lost a lot of games this year. So, um, yeah, it can make things hard, but I, I think you know my best advice with people with voting for elections and stuff is ask questions you know most of these directors or or or, um, people who want to be will will get onto social media and ask questions grill them don't ask easy ones ask the hard ones and see what kind of answers you get
0: yeah i guess when you're an incumbent it's easy to sell hope um you know uh, yeah we can change this you know I haven't when, done you're, the job. when you're a challenger, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. so you, you say, oh, well, I'm coming in. um, You know, obviously we haven't been up to par, but I reckon we can get to this bit and, you know, people can buy into that, if you know what I mean. So I, I guess um that's the thing you're probably referencing, you know, people who are, who are trying to get in probably have that scope that they can sell hope more than the person that's already there.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, look, in this election coming up, you'll hear a lot of, you know, Challenges saying things like things are bad at the club and I'll, I'll make them better. Um, yeah. but it's yeah, it's not necessarily the case. But but you know it's understandable that, that people run campaigns that way. So um, it, it it was a tricky election three years ago. I got over it and moved on. And um, you know as I said, I, I still love the club. I've maintained an involvement. And, um,
0: I'll be red and black forever. All credit to you, Paul, and um, we can't thank you enough for uh, being our first guest and um, thank you for providing today's um, you know, time that you've given us and uh, I hope we can touch base one other day. No worries.
2: I appreciate it, guys, and uh, thanks
0: for having me on. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. Cheers. Well, mate, how good was that? Uh, so thankful for Paul Green to come on and uh, it was nice to have our first guest. Um, and, mate, how did you find that?
1: Oh, it was fantastic. He was so generous with his time. Uh, you know, he had for over half an hour, uh, which is slightly more than the 10 minutes we'd originally bargained with him for. But, uh, nah, just a really generous guy and uh, so open with his uh, with his comments as well. Uh, you can see why he's such a great excellent person and why he's so well-respected by, uh, by many. And, um, you know, we've, we've heard him talk on the sash and, Uh, And even on, you know, Bomber Blitz, he'll pop up and, uh, you know, sort of let us know his his thoughts, where he can give them. He's, um, yeah, really, really valued for us um, as fans, but obviously, particularly uh, here at the Dons cast as our inaugural guest, mate. And um, yeah, uh, just, yeah, really, really great
0: to have that interview with him and some really interesting insights he gave. Definitely. All right, mate. We'll, we'll have a break and uh, when we come back we'll wrap it up and do our Bomber Prediction. You're listening to Don's Cast. As we wrap up the show uh, for our final game in 2020 mate who's going to kick the first goal? We're still looking for that trifecta.
1: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Uh, look, I just have to go Joe Danaher. Uh, I mean, surely in this last game of the season, will be up and about, um, you know, trying to get the boys around. Uh, perhaps that little chat he had with the group uh, we heard about during the week was, boys, just kick it to me. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm going to kick a bag. Um, yeah, we can all live in hope anyway. But, you know, how about yourself,
0: mate? Who are you going to back in? Uh, I'm going to go for our leading goal kicker in uh this year and uh, Anthony McDonald tippenwoody He's kicked the 19 and I reckon he'll get to at least 20 so uh yep, I reckon he's going to kick the first goal on uh Saturday. Uh mate uh, who's going to get the most possessions?
1: Yeah look uh, I think at this stage you'd you'd have to go with with Zach Merritt. uh you know he's been so consistent these uh last sort of 6 7 games really uh, shown why he's, he's such a gun
0: And uh, I reckon he's going to Rack up plenty on the night How about yourself, mate? I think Dylan Shield might get the most on um, Saturday, I think He's know uh, yeah, burst of speed uh, If you can get out open, that would be Great to see him uh, get plenty of the ball uh, Melbourne have got a lot Of players that bash and crash through The middle, but you know, hopefully Shield Can get out open and um, Use that pace and hopefully used the ball a little bit better than he has been. But um, yeah, I think Dylan Shield had the most possessions. And finally, mate, um, who wins and by how much?
1: Look, James, it's the last game of the season. I'm going to throw caution to the wind and go with the heart and uh, say the Bombers is going to get up by 12 points. So I think, uh, you know, really, if we are trying to sell hope to the fan base, we really want to put in a strong effort. Um, and you know, I reckon, you know, we've we've got enough players out there who can get the job done. Um, so I'm going to back us in, and and hopefully we're singing the song at the end, and uh, you yeah, have something to look forward to next year. But how about yourself,
0: mate? Yeah, not without um, any hope, is it? Because uh, we know Melbourne have had a history of uh, you know, you know, I'll say choking uh, when it counts most. Um, so I think the Bombers are definitely a chance, but. No, I think on this occasion, the Ds might be a bit too strong. Um, You know, I think we're looking forward to uh, finishing the season. I think the players have had enough and, uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to have a strong first half, but I think i worry about after that. So, yeah, I think the Demons will get up and I'm going to say probably by about five goals. I think um, think the Dons uh, will definitely uh, show a bit of fight, but... Yeah, I think it's just too important for Melbourne. I think they might get up. Mate, um, it's been a pleasure doing this with you this year. Um, obviously we've still got our review sh- show to go. Um uh and then after that um, we've hear that the best and fairest is actually on uh Sunday. So um that'll be interesting because it's uh gonna be uh over the over the wire. I think it's on Zoom. Um so that'll mean that um We'll get to see that on Sunday, so uh, I, I suspect straight after that we might hear some delistings and also, um, you know, some player intentions. You know, in particularly with uh, Adam Saad and Joe Danaher. and uh, you know, it's going to be a tough trade period, I think, for the club, uh, especially if it's true that players like Saad and Danaher are looking to leave the club. But um, you just hope the club's gonna put us in the best position so that you know we get something back. And yeah, it's uh disappointing. I I'm still got hope that Sardi will stay. Um, you know, no one really knows what's happening with Danaher. Uh it's gonna be intriguing off season, that's for sure, for the bombers.
1: Yeah, it will and uh yeah, I suppose for us as a podcast, we'll still continue to be um putting out some pods. Obviously, not the the twice weekly ones, but um, look, we'll do a review of you know the uh, the best and fairest, and um, you know deal listings, and that kind of thing, uh, and you know we'll sort of you know look at the side we've got, and then obviously when uh, when the draft happens and any trades happen, we'll do a sort of wrap up of of all that stuff, because um, we're we're certainly still passionate about the Essendon Football Club, and uh, we'll continue to support and be with the be there for the boys, and um, yeah, we're certainly looking forward to putting twenty twenty behind us and uh yeah, looking forward to let's hope for bigger and better things uh next year under Ben Rutten. And uh yeah, so at least there'll be some content out there um, you know for, for Bomber fans, uh if they choose to stick with us and thanks everyone for listening to the show. It's been uh fantastic for, for Jamie and I to uh um, you know, you share our passion, listen, um, supporters. It's great to see some comments uh, from other fans uh, who sort of share share frustrations, or even you know, if they have differing opinions to ours and call us out for for stuff we said. That's that's great. We love that that bit of banter um, you get, and uh, yeah, it's certainly been enjoyable for us. So, looking forward to uh, yeah, many more shows to come.
0: Yeah, it's been great, and uh, yeah, thank you for all the feedback we've got through Blitz, and also. I want to thank um, Scott and Grant from the Lunchtime Catch-Up. They helped us in the early days to, um, you know, they listened to One of our early recordings gave us some ideas and so forth. So that was really uh, appreciative. And in fact, um, Scott got in touch with us and talked about potentially doing an end-of-year review show with both um, podcasts. So that would be great to be involved in that. And, um, yeah, hopefully... uh, Yeah, that could be shared on both platforms. But, um, yeah, thank you for everyone who has listened. I know when we first started this, we we did question, would anyone listen? And, uh, (laughs) um, yeah, we've been very thankful. Yeah, we've had thousands of um, downloads. So uh, that's given us some real hope that people are out there listening and hopefully enjoying the content. Once again, we just wanted to say thank you. And, um, yeah, go Bombers. Go Dons.